My name is John, and this is my wife, Lisa. We have three children, Zachary, Morgan, and Mitchell, and we've been coming to Olive Branch for nine years. Neither one of us, when we first met or when we were first married, really knew the Lord or were walking with the Lord. So once we started having kids, I think is when I really thought, you know, we need to be hooked into church and, and get our faith together so um, Christ could be the center of our family. And that's when we started looking for churches. Our kids were getting older and starting to get middle school age. And we heard that Olive Branch had a, a great youth program. One Sunday, I, I checked that out with the kids. Um, I knew the first time that I went and heard the message that it was that strong um, Bible teaching that I was looking for. The kids all, you know, got hooked in for for youth groups. So I knew that I wanted to come back, and I knew that I had to get John there. You know, at that point in our in our marriage, I thought everything was great. You know, I'm living the American dream. I've got a big house. The kids are great. I've got a beautiful wife. But I didn't realize that when you have two people that aren't Christ followers, it's going to implode. And Lisa was walking with Christ, and I thought I was walking with Christ, but I wasn't even on the trail. One day, Lisa shows up and says, we need to go to counseling. And I'm like, counseling? What for? So we went to Olive Branch and met with uh, one of the pastors, Brent, who, uh, who agreed to counsel us. That first meeting, it was like we were throwing knives at each other, and he just sat there very patiently and listened. And then he brought up, uh, he wanted to start a discipleship program with us. And I'm thinking, we came here for counseling, not discipleship. I started the discipleship program, and the more we got into his word, and I was willing to open my heart, things made more sense. I did have that aha moment where I was reading the crucifixion and and I thought I would never give up my sons for anybody and to think what God did for me and and he, he still blessed me even though I ran from him I turned my back from him and he was still watching over me and I got to the point where I said all right God I can't do this anymore I'm gonna give this to you once I gave my life to Christ Everything made sense. Everything just fell into place. When I was deciding when to be baptized, I've, I've got everyone on me like, you, you have to be baptized, you have to be baptized. I have Pastor Bram. When are you going to get baptized, John? And I don't know, don't tell me what to do. So I just uh, I had to wait. And then my son uh, said that he wanted to be baptized. And I said, okay, we could either do it on Easter or on Father's Day. He goes, okay, let's do it Easter. So on Easter Sunday, I was baptized with my son. You know, I think uh, that at some point we realized that we needed to get back to the church. I felt like we were taking and taking, and we sat down and we made this list of what Olive Branch has done for us. And it's like, what are we doing for Olive Branch? And that's when we decided to get more involved in the ministries, and we started going on missions. I went on a, a mission to Ethnos Asia and went to Nepal and did medical mission there for a couple days. I love how Olive Branch really loves the world. And that's what I saw through missions, just that how God's working globally. You know, Olive Branch has just really helped our entire family without our faith. We're just so thankful that God brought us to Olive Branch and just how he orchestrated everything and the people there too to impact our life, and it's just changed our entire family.
pretty awesome story, isn't it? Let's praise God for that. One of the things that uh, my wife and I love when we go see a movie is making sure that it's one of those movies that, uh, that has that little line on it that says, you know, based on a true story. I don't know what it is, but when you see a movie based on a true story and then you watch it, even though it's been, you know, kind of doctored up a bit for Hollywood, there's something that's just a little bit more like, I don't know, impacting to me. We had just watched another like World War II movie the other day that actually had nothing to do with history. It was kind of some made-up tank movie or something like that. We had to wait all the way to the end of the credits where it's like, hey, you know, any, any reference to real people is, is, not, is all coincidence. Don't worry about it. Legalese stuff to, to cover themselves to make sure that, hey, we just made this up. And to me, I could tell it was made up. There just wasn't a, a ring of realism about the people. There wasn't a, a connection that you're making about their struggles in life or what they had been going through. And, and that's what I love about a true story. It's a real thing. You're talking to real people, connecting with real problems. And the same thing with John and Lisa Mendoza's story here is that, you know, you would meet John and Lisa today and you'd be thinking, man, they, they must have had like a perfect marriage. Their life must be, you know, but what you realize is that Christ had to show up in their relationship. Christ had to redeem something there, and what they have today would never be what it was had Jesus Christ not done something. And that, to me, is exciting. In fact, that, to me, is what is the essence of what we're talking about when we discuss this his story stuff, of, of people's lives changed and transformed by Jesus Christ. Last week, if you weren't with us, we dove into the beginning of this series and the beginning of a two-year conversation about where, or yeah, two-year conversation about where we're going. We're actually going to do this for two years. We're going to talk about it for a few weeks. We're going to do it for two years. So a, um, a series on what we're headed out to do over the next two years. And what I'm excited about in this His Story initiative is that we are really aiming to, to bring the gospel, this story that God has given to us, out to the people that surround us. Not to be stuck here and only on this campus, but to literally seriously think through the strategies and the routes to bring the information that Jesus Christ has died for our sins, He's risen from the dead, and that God is working today to change lives to the people that are throughout this valley, Corona and Elsinore. Now, if you're a guest here tonight and you're not a part of Olive Branch, you get to kind of eavesdrop in on our conversation. I'm really talking to Olive Branchers in this series because we're talking about where we're going. So this hopefully will give you some information about our heart, where we're at, headed, what we want to get, what we want to get done, what you want to see, and and, and so this is uh, gives you a chance to kind of listen in and think about this. And so as we kind of move into this, I, I really want to press these three banners up on your sides. You can see them. They say, love it, live it, and share it. So we talk about his story. We've kind of broken it into these three strategies, these three aspects of the vision. And tonight, I want to focus in on the love it portion. How do we love his story? What does this mean? With that said, I want you guys, if you would, grab your Bible and open up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 42 through 47. And these three ideas, the love it, the live it, and the share it, come from these verses. And I want to kind of open them up, kind of begin to look at them over the next few weeks. And so we're going to start tonight in the verses. So if you don't have a Bible, you can go ahead and join us. Grab a Bible from the seats you'll find on page 911. And that way, guys, we can really kind of dive in and, and, and check out what God is doing in the church. It begins this way. It states this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. 
And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, had, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in homes, they, were, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love this passage. The author is Luke, and God inspired Luke to write about this ideal picture of the church. Guys, who wouldn't want to go to this church? Who would not want to be plugged into a place where you're devoted to God's teachings, you're devoted to the prayers, you've got intimate fellowship, we're supporting each other, people are giving to each other in their needs, and we're living out in such a manner that the world is seeing and having an awe of God and receiving Jesus Christ, and it's growing daily. That would be an awesome church to be in. In fact, that's the picture that I hope we would attain to as a church, as Olive Branch. Now, no church is perfect. This is the ideal picture. And one day I hope maybe we would be this kind of a church. We're willing to sacrifice our goods and care for each other and all that stuff. That would be awesome. It would be exciting. But understanding we're not there yet, we're on a road. And part of this love it, live it, and share it is bound up in this text. And kind of the love it portion is showing up in several things. It shows up in devotion, and that they're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayers. There's awe, the wonder of God upon their souls. They see God working and moving in the lives of people and through the apostles. That they're blown away at the care of each other, and they're doing it daily in the temple and in each each other's homes. This is just an expansive, grateful expression of love to God. And I think it challenges us that we are the kind of people that should live like this, that we should love God's story every Sunday for everything that God does, not just for the little things, but for everything that God is doing. There's an opportunity for us to worship and love God. See, they're celebrating in this text for a very specific reason. Earlier in chapter 2, you have an event. For some of us who may not be um, all the way through our Bibles yet or you haven't been able to read the book of Acts, this event is called Pentecost. And Pentecost is one of these Old Testament um, celebrations of first fruits. It would occur 50 days after the Passover, and they would gather together and they would celebrate what God was doing in their possessions. So they would bring their, their tithes and their first fruits and stuff before God, and they would celebrate on this particular Sunday, an exciting event called Pentecost. Now, the church was, not the church, sorry, the Jewish people were so excited about this event, it would swell in Jerusalem to well over a million people. That's gigantic in the first century terms. And so the streets would be crawling with human beings, and God, in the middle of that crowd, comes and takes on the, drops his spirit upon the apostles and the teachers, and they stand up, and they start preaching, and boom, the people start coming to Christ. 3,000 of them in this one preaching come to know Jesus Christ and the church begins. 3,000 people and that's what they're celebrating here. That's what they're getting into. After this 3,000 were baptized now they're devoting themselves. Now this awe is coming upon them. Now they're giving away to each other. This church is living and alive in response to what Jesus Christ did. When we talk about loving it, we're talking about this idea that we should celebrate his story. We should celebrate everything God has done. Not just today, but in general. In Psalm 105, we read this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. 
What I like about this psalm is he, he starts off and he's saying, guys, look, let's sing to him. Let, let's praise him for all that he has done. And then from, in Psalm 105, it begins to roll through. If you ever want to get a quick brief of Israelite history, just read Psalm 105. They literally sing the history of Israel. It's a song. Fact 106 picks up, Psalm 106 picks up where Psalm 105 leaves off and keeps going with the rest of Israelite history. And can you imagine writing the history of the United States in a song? Some of you in homeschool could. But the idea is simply that, because there could be that case. But the idea simply is that, honestly, Israel was into their history. They were into what God was doing. They laid it out. And, then, and so for us, guys, can you imagine that we would be celebrating like that with the same energy, the things that God does in our church? The stories that, of what, like what you've seen, and you're going to see more stories. But even more, guys, do you realize that la- we baptized 11 people this morning? That's exciting. Last year, last year we, that's, that's, that's good. That's, we're talking about celebration. The other thing is we, we baptized 75 people last year in total. That's more than we baptized in the first five years of the church. In the last five years, we've seen 302 people come to know Jesus Christ and see their lives affected. That's not including the James Project things that have gone on, the Mexico missions ministries trips, and the different missions trips we've been able to go on. Guys, God's moving in our church, and there are so many stories that should be fueling our worship, that we should be singing praise to him, telling God of all, telling of all his wondrous works, of what he's done in our lives, of what he's done in other people's lives. That's why the challenge here at our church and in this two-year initiative in the His Story is that we would tell 105 of those changed lives stories. That shouldn't be difficult. I bet there's 105 stories in this room right now. I bet there is enough stories that we could collect for what God has been doing in your lives and the lives of each other and your friends that we could fill up an entire website dedicated simply to the telling of God's wondrous works. And I think that's what should be motivating us when we come to church. That we should be in here celebrating and shouting that God has saved lives. He's transformed people. He's changed people. That should bring exuberance. That should bring joy. It should bring excitement to our worship. So you say, why are you saying that? Because Jesus told us this. Notice, he's telling a parable, actually three in a row, to underline how important this parable is to Jesus. He starts off with the first one, where there's a shepherd has a hundred sheep. And he, uh, one of them is gone. And so he leaves the 99 behind, goes and finds one shepherd, one, the sheep that's missing, picks up, brings it back. And what does he do? He celebrates with the other shepherds. I found my sheep. He's so excited about this. Then Jesus, at the end of that tale, tells us this. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Heaven is in the business of enjoying and getting excited about people who have changed, who, who they see God changing the trajectory of their lives from going towards a destructive way to a broken path, to a destroyed marriage, to broken children, to drug abuse, whatever it is, flipping it around and running after God and knowing him, being transformed by him. Heaven blows up with excitement. How much more should the church How much more should we, who were lost and found, be celebrating as well? In fact, that's what Jesus says in the third one. In his third parable, he tells the story of a dad with two sons. One son figures dad's pretty much only good if he's dead, so he comes up to him and asks him for his inheritance early. 
takes it and squanders it on all kinds of kind of his own personal pleasures and desires. And after he's gone broke over using it all in whatever way he wanted, he's sitting in the middle of a pigsty eating the food from stealing it basically from the pigs and thinks the servants in my dad's house get fed way better than this. I'm going to go back and see if I can become a hired hand. He gets up, walks home. His dad sees him coming, runs to him, which is not a Jewish thing to do, and puts his arms around him, holds him close, puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his finger, brings him in and does a party for his son who was gone. In the meantime, the older brother's sitting out in the field, and just griping and moaning, I've done everything for you. And, you. and dad comes out and says, what's your problem? He's like, you didn't ever throw a party for me, blah, blah. You're not fair. You're acting like a six-year-old, you know, kind of thing. And that's what my six-year-old does. And um, sitting there all upset. And he go, and father kind of walks him through and he nails this one line at the very end. Jesus says, the father said, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. Son, it was fitting. I like that word. It fits. It's right. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Should we not be the kind of people who are celebrating when that which is dead is made alive? When those who are lost have been found? Because if you name the name Christian in your life, you were once lost and now you're found. You were once dead and now you're alive. And guys, that's worth celebrating when you walk into church. That's something that should energize you every evening when you come here. Yeah, you could have had a rotten day. You could have had a messed up whole week. And you're coming in, you're going, uh, I'm just, I don't want to do this, this stinks. And you're coming in, but you're here. You got a solution for you. Just preach the gospel to yourself. Say, what? Yeah, think about it. You pull up, just set aside the rough stuff for the time, and just remind yourself that God has taken away your hell. An eternal life in hell has been placed upon Jesus Christ on your behalf so that you don't have to suffer it. And he's opened up the gates of heaven in which you will enter into a life with God, resurrected, where you will never have sickness, disease, pain, shame, or any other evil that's ever going to encounter your life again. You're going to get to celebrate it with loved ones that are here, and you're going to give, be given all that for free. If that doesn't get you energized when you come out of your car, even for 20 minutes of worship, I don't know what does. But that's what we come in here to celebrate. And yes, sometimes we need prayer. And sometimes we need just somebody we can gripe to. Let's get that done and let's remember that we have a great hope in the midst of our great pains that our Lord has walked in with us so that we can celebrate a great God. That's to love his story. Guys, that is to love his story. We need to live this out. Now, As we move forward, obviously, we can't just have everybody and their mom just stand up and go, I want to give a story. You know, there's, there's, there's organization and stuff like that. It'd be interesting. And evening service, we might be able to pull that off. But we want to tell these stories. And one of the problems is we got four services. And to be quite honest, there are very few of our staff members who survive a whole four services on a Sunday. And so to ask a volunteer to come up and just give their story um, and stand in front of everybody when they're not used to standing in front of them and they're just reading and they're you know, nervous and shaking and then they've got to survive four of those encounters, you know, we've found it really difficult to get people to do that. 
But, if we, but we're aiming at a video team, which is why I've been talking about asking people to be involved, if you know anything about video, to be connected with it so that we can see it. Because we can videotape somebody. We can videotape. There you go. We can video somebody, and we can put them up on the screen, and their story can be known. We can then put it on the web, and their story can resound out beyond just our congregation. And there you begin to see something where God opens hearts with stories. Guys, if you're holding back your story because you're ashamed of it, stop. God has redeemed your life. If you're a Christian, you need to share your story. And when you do, it's powerful because God opens the hearts of other people who think maybe God's not working. You know, somebody in this room might need a boost in their marriage this morning. Somebody in this room might need a boost in their parenting this evening. Sorry, evening. You're the evening. It is evening. Notice we didn't even think about that. And so we we have this reality that, guys... Your story is something God wants to use. So I'm asking you guys to share it with us, to get us that information, to connect, and let's celebrate it. Let's not be like the older son who stands out all gripey and moany. Celebrate. No, let's have some joy. Let's have some energy. And we should, and together, all of us should love his story. We're going to love his story all together. And that's all of us working together. This isn't anybody left out. And there's some ways that we're going to do this. And the ways that we do this are pretty traditional. First of all, we do it by loving, loving his story in song. In Psalm 95, verse 1, it puts it this way. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. I love that God understands human beings. On the one hand, he says, let's sing to the Lord, because he knows some people are designed to sing. And on the other hand, he says, let's make a joyful noise, because some of us can't sing, you know? know? That's okay. Let's get excited. Let's get exuberant. Let's rejoice. Maybe you're not a Christian, and you're here, and you're a guest, and you're like, that's so weird. You're only used to uh, seeing people stand on the stage and play music at a concert. So there's a sense for you to go like, okay, I'm supposed to sit back and be entertained by this. This is great. And maybe you're like, that's not that entertaining. Why is everybody so into this? And the answer is because, honestly, when we come together in these settings, it's not about the entertainment value. It's about our hearts expressing what's inside of us and being transformed by Christ. What the people on the stage are doing is leading us. We're all the band. We're all to be engaged. We're all to be singing together. That's why you'll see people raise hands, fall on their knees, celebrating what God has done. Because we want to sing to our Lord. And that may sound weird, but it's actually extremely human. Let me give you an example. I was watching the the Super Bowl a couple couple weeks ago. And uh, in the middle, it was... Intense game, right? Totally tension, all this stuff's going on. It was kind of semi exciting, but I'm not one of those guys that's like yelling at the screen or anything typically. And next thing I know, there's this, there's this pass. The ball's flying through the air near the end of the game. The guy has it, he doesn't have it, bounces off his foot, bounces off his knee, back into his hands. He's standing up to run, he's knocked down. I'm going, and you're watching this. And I can't help it. I get, I'm going, that's crazy. That just, you see, oh my gosh. And we're like yelling at each other. Even the women are standing up shouting. We're all like, that's cool right now. Because human beings love it when something crazy has gone on and something incredible has occurred. It's called glory. Now you think about the rudiments of this. It's pretty lame. We've got a pigskin ball, whether it's inflated correctly or not, flying through the air to a receiver who, who is going to run around with a bunch of other hot, sweaty men jumping on you? I mean, this is weird. And we're like, that's incredible. And men who are quiet at church. 
what's there to get so hung up over? You're going to yell and scream at a bunch of sweaty men running around catching a little pigskin ball? And yet the God of the universe has transformed lives. And he's woken up human hearts that were headed to destructive ends and means. And he has worked the human heart and saved marriages so that we see children raised and not having to suffer through things. People who in poverty helped out and brought to a level when they could be aided and loved on. Where we're sending a message to the world that goes beyond the displacement of I don't have any meaning and I don't know what I'm here for. To you have a meaning, you're made in the image of God and God loves you. And we get together and we should be yelling, that! It's incredible. Holy cow. Look what God did in that person's life. <laughs> Preacher, you're getting crazy. I know. I'm sorry. That's crazy. The goal, though, guys, is that this is God's glory we're talking about. It's his glory that we see. And when we see his glory, the human heart cannot help but be moved. And blown away. You know what God says about his glory? He says it will cover the earth like water covers the sea. And the way that happens is it's the church is sent on a mission to declare that glory, to see that glory, to respond to that glory. And that's why it's not, it's not, I'm not ashamed to say we desire to see two times the amount of people worshiping him at our services. And we'd love to see more people filling the seats to know God, shouting his glory. Guys, have you ever been to a great conference where there are thousands of men or women or men and women standing together singing out and they just drop the music and the people just keep singing? It's overwhelming. Brings me to tears. I can't keep singing. Because it's just, it's resonating with the fact that we love this God and he's so incredible and you're in unison with so many hearts and so many minds. Guys, that's what's beautiful about the ability to to love his story together and to celebrate and see his glory continue to flow and spread. Now, that's why we really need to take up that, that invitation thing Kevin challenged us with, inviting three people over the next three months. That's not just like a hint. That's something we should take seriously. Walk around with invitations in your pocket. Go grab some off the history counter out there and put them in. And when you get there, again, just keep inviting people that you meet and challenge them. Guys, doubling attendance in a church is actually really only a one-week goal if if we were all serious. Think about it. I'm going to ensure I'm here next week and I'm bringing a friend. And everybody, you know, everybody does that, you double attendance. It's like, it's not the easiest thing in the world, actually. It's just, are we motivated? Are we encouraged? It's not even that big of a deal. The bigger deal will come in the live it and the share it portions. But but when it comes to worshiping God on a Sunday, when it comes to celebrating his name, we want to tell these stories. We want to share these stories with as many people as we can. And so we've picked that idea to challenge us and to push us. Now, another way that we're going to love his story is through our giving. You say, oh, really? Yes. Um, Paul puts it this way. God inspires Paul to speak to the Corinthian people. And he says, each one of you, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I want to point something out here, and it's pretty important. I want to point out the motivation of giving in a church service. Notice what he says. He says, you got to do it as you've decided in your heart. This isn't reluctantly or under compulsion. Guys, when we talk about giving at the church, when we talk about this whole initiative, I am not forcing a gun to anybody's head. You don't see me armed. I'm not standing up here, not packing nothing. You know, there's just, there's, there's no force imposed. I can kick you out if you don't tithe. God's not going to throw you in hell. You know, that's not the goal. It's about you and God making a decision. 
It's about planning and thinking about what you need to do. And you don't do it under compulsion and you don't do it reluctantly, but we do it in worship as cheerful givers. People are excited about things. My goal is to tell you how we're going to use our funds together as a church. My goal is to challenge us to think how we stretch ourselves and how we can better obey scripture as we reach people in the valley. That's my goal. If I hopefully inspire you to join in, if I hopefully give you a challenge that you say I'm going to step up to, awesome. But it's your decision. It's your choice. You have a free will and you need to exercise it and use it. Don't ignore it. Don't just let it go by. That's one of the reasons we give you the the commitment card. We don't give it to you because we want to spy on you. (laughs) No, that's not the goal. The goal is to give you something so that you can sit and pray about it, make a decision about it, and be considered between you and God on it. And this is a tool to remind you so that you can begin to say, God, what is it you called me to do? I want to give this cheerfully. I want, to, I want this to be part of my worship. It's a motivation. Guys, the other reason why I challenge this is because, honestly, we should give from a completely different motivation than the world. Jesus put it this way. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, what you're into is where your money will go. What, you're, what, get, what gets you going is where you're going to put your money. So it's interesting. I was having a conversation with my next-door neighbor actually yesterday. Uh, he's a great guy, and he, but he's not a Christian. So we were talking about work, and he was telling me about his work. And, I was, and he goes, so how's things going at your work? I'm like, oh, we're, 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 it's a tough season, you know. I'm a pastor. I don't really like talking about money, and we got to talk about it a lot, and blah, blah. And so he's like, oh, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, we're not like the Girl Scouts, you know, the crack pushers of America, you know. You want to buy my cookies? And he's like, I do. So anyway, we, we can't do that. You know, we can't make Olive Branch crunchy snacks and go like, we're selling Olive Branch crunchy snacks so that you can fund our wonderful church. You know, it's like, that's not what we do. That seems kind of weird to Americans that a church would show up to say, will you fund our church plant, blah, blah, whatever. And it's like, no, we don't do that. Then he got that. He's like, oh, okay, you got to ask them. I said, you got to ask the congregation. They got to be willing to go with you and they got to be willing to connect in and do this. And he's like, so, well, what do they get out of it? And I was like, wow. Not right there hit the nub for me of the difference in giving. The world consumes and gets something out of it. But our God gave because he loved. We give in our worship, not out of compulsion, not reluctantly. What am I going to get out of it? But out of a cheerful generous heart. Why? Because, let's be honest, we love, as a child, I love to want to be like my dad. I want to be like my dad today. I want to be like my heavenly father. My kids, I just love it when they're like me. You know, they yell and scream at each other, and, they, and they're angry. No, that's, that is like me, but it's a little different. I like it when they say things like, hey, I want to be a pastor. Oh, I want to play basketball like you did. You know, that, something about being a dad just warms your heart. You're just like, yeah, that's cool. We want to be like our parents. And when we give out of joy, not out of compulsion from our own desire, you image your, you image your father. And it's part of our worship. We love his story by putting our money where our hearts are. And we use it as part of worship. That's, that's the goal. That's all I'm trying to get at is it changes our motivation. It's part of our celebration. It's part of worshiping him. 
Also, though, we have this one, that we love his story through our serving. We care for each other, and we actually use our giftedness to serve each other. Service and worship are actually very easily linked. Jesus, put it, Jesus in uh, responding to the devil, said, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone, him only, shall you serve. And in the Old Testament, there's a link between serving other gods and worshiping them. In fact, they're, they're interconnected. You actually serve gods when you worship them. You do stuff for them, and you work hard on their behalf so that they would care for you. And so worship is about your heart condition towards God and the things that you do. Here at the church, when we serve, we really want to connect and care for each other. Guys, the reason the church works is because of you guys. I mean, the staff does stuff, yeah, but we're a support structure to your efforts to care for each other. We're a support structure to enable you guys, as you guys fill the classrooms on Sunday mornings and care for the children. And teach them and train them. It's you guys who get up on the stages and and start singing the music and leading us. It's you guys who shake hands and greet and fold things and do all these pieces and make the coffee. And you guys go out there and you actually monitor the cars in the morning. All this is done by the volunteers of the church. It's done in our service using our giftedness. That's exciting to me to realize how much God has given us to connect with each other and use those gifts to serve each other. And when we do this, then the challenge for us is going to be that we need to stretch. We're going to need to meet each other's needs and our service. Now, ministry match will connect into that, and that will be starting in March to help you guys figure out, you're like, what's my passion, what's my gifting, and kind of what's my personality so that I know I can connect somewhere to begin a journey in serving and caring for each other. And so that's kind of what we're looking at, and we're working out these pieces in this two-year vision. The last one in loving his story is that, honestly, we love his story by learning more about God. But I want to press pause on this portion because really that's going to be fleshed out next week in the live it section where we learn to live out his story and that's by knowing who God is and walking in his ways and so we'll dive into that section a little bit more as we uh, as we kind of go forward in this series but really the whole goal in all this two-year initiative is in this love it section is we want to expand the love of his story We want to see it expanded in more hearts as people worship him more. See it expanded in more stories as people get excited about hearing those stories. And really, we just want to challenge you guys with that thought. Why not invite people to hear this celebration of what our God is doing? How many of you guys remember, if if you're married, preparing for your wedding? Anybody remember that wonderful event? It's like super stressful, isn't it? My wife and I sat down and we had, uh, she was going to a fairly large church at the time. I was working here. We both just recently had come only about four years earlier from another church in town. And that had a whole bunch of friends there. We have two families that equate to about 50 people on each side. When you added it all up, we had about 700 people we could invite to our, to our wedding. And so immediately you start pulling out the Sharpie and going, nope, 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 maybe would be really angry. Nope. You know, it's kind of that stuff. And you're just working through this list and you're whittling it down. We got it down to about 450 people that we invited to our wedding. No food, just everybody in mass hysteria carrying chairs. That's pretty much what our wedding wound up, winded up being like. It was a blast. But the bottom line is that's the opposite of how church works. I mean, it's the most special day of your life and you're having to limit the people you're inviting. But what is the most amazing thing is the God of the universe meets us in this place and changes lives. And we go, I'm going to whittle it down to, I think there's three people I might be able to invite. 
What happened to the 800 people on a, on a page that we could invite to something of a celebration? Guys, there's no reason we can't expand our invitation lists out to the point that who cares if they're out of town? Invite them. God's doing something. That's the kind of energy and excitement that will occur as we begin to love his story. You just expand your invitation list. You'll be like, hey, I just met you because you're my waitress. You need to check this out. That kind of stuff is going to grow into the infection, infection, not infection, infectious ability for us to connect. We're like, don't talk about infections right now, please. My child's, yeah, I get it. It's going on my house too. But the problem is this, guys. Last week we had a thousand people at the church. Here's what's funny. You guys are in evening service. So you, you don't get to see the morning services. We have four services. You spread a thousand people over four services. You know, some of the first service people meet some of the second service people who come early enough. Some of the second service people only meet the evening service people because they stay long enough. Or third service people. Third service people, if you're serving at evening. So we, we're kind of this big spread out group. We don't get to directly connect with each other all the time. And when I talk about the 100,000 people that surround us, that if they were to die tonight would end up in a crisis eternity. Guys, if we only reached 1% of 100,000, you don't have enough room at this building. We'd have to do a fifth service. We'd have to put overflow rooms together. We'd have to figure something out. Just with 1% of reaching the people that surround us right now. And so we understand that the part of this is the need to take on the opportunity to build the new facility. And so in the first phase, this is the first phase room, and it's not exactly perfect, but it's a good idea what we're looking at. It, this room would basically, in its final, would about hold about um, seven to 900 people. So, you know, you can stretch that or shrink that accordingly. But the goal there is that we'd be able to go down to a couple services, celebrate together where we're able to worship together and be together as a church and continue on with what we're doing. Now, this is just, this is there, that, that portion there. And so right here, I want to kind of dispel a thinking process that might be occurring for some people. We go, oh, I get it. This history thing, the love it is the building fund. The live it will be like the general fund and the share it's going to be like the missions fund. That's how this works works, right? No. This is a one fund. All of it's in one fund together. This is the, this is the part of the vision that we believe will be needed for the Lovett section with this. But the whole of it, again, is that $6 million number that we talked about last week. And that's that one fund. You go, well, what if I want to give to missions? What if I want to give to the building only, though? And I want to just caution on that for one second. Here's why. How many of you guys remember back in 2008, the big, great recession that we've been still semi-living through, right? Does anybody remember how many teachers were get, getting pink slips? I mean, just all the time. It was like rounds of pink slips. And at the same time, you could have driven by any high school in town, in Corona Norco, and they were building million-dollar football fields. Is anybody sitting there going, why are they building a million-dollar football field when we got people being, teachers being, being fired? What's going on here? The answer is the money was designated and set aside for the football fields. And by law, they couldn't move it around. It's, it was designated, as far as I understand. Now, you can shoot me down later, but that's why they couldn't move the funds. Otherwise, we don't want to do the same problem. We want to, don't want to just say, hey, this money's designated here and over at the building. And some were like, we need aid on the missions. But we're locked in because legally, if you say it's for building, it has to be used for building. And the same thing, if it's locked into missions and we need to hire a secretary, we're stuck. 
But by putting it in a general fund, you're entrusting your elders, you're entrusting the financial wisdom of of the volunteers and leadership who deal with the budget stuff at the church to make sure that we are aiming at our goal and accomplishing it and doing it rightly according to good stewardship. There's a pace to this stuff. Yeah, we can talk about two years, but but there may be some cases that we go, okay, we need to stretch it to three. Or, hey man, you guys are giving like crazy. We're going to do this in one and a half. There's that ability when we have the flexibility to know it's all in the general section where we can put it appropriately. And trust me, we've got all this. We're, we're working hard to make sure that budget balances right and strong on the mission and on the general ministry of the church and the other pieces that are there. So all of this is sitting in there. And so when I say this number of $2.7 million, that is roughly the budgeted of the $6 million that will go towards this Love It section. This, the, that includes, yes, that, that building, but also includes the staff. It includes lights and technical things that we need to do here at the church. It includes the video stuff and the video team things all that's included in that conversation so that's that i just want to make that clear because it's really important some of that can get a little confusing if you have more questions you can talk to me or you can go talk um you can talk to buzz brown and when and and get him on the phone. He'll he'll answer the questions in really good detail for you because he's our he's our good money guru guy. So does a good job with that stuff and thank him for that because he's helped us out a lot. Now how do we help you then to be included in this conversation? There's several ways. First of all is this booklet. If you have not collected your booklet, uh, you didn't get one, then we're still handing them out. They're out there at the info counter slash history counter, and somebody will be holding them ready to deliver to you guys. Again, grab one of these. It's got the vision in it. It's got also the, so you can pray through it. It's also got some frequently asked questions section. And finally, if you're not doing your small group study, you can still do one because you'll have the notes for the small group study on your own. And then on the website, which is this history, uh, obcchistory.com has the opportunity for you to do the study on your own. The videos are there. You can watch them and do the study so that you can be on board with the church in the direction. You can even start your own small group in that sense. Now, Lastly, is that some of you guys may not have been here to pick up a commitment card. The commitment card is important for another reason other than just helping you plan. In three weeks from now, we're going to have a commitment Sunday in which we all come together and we bring before the Lord and before the church our commitments. And you're going, that is definitely the week I'm missing. Don't please don't do that. Don't mark that down and think, I'm taking that one off. No. Even if you don't have your commitments solidified, you're not quite sure how you want to decide to do that, come anyway. Celebrate with the people who are ready to be joining in on that commitment and are ready to place it down before the Lord so you can be just like, God, this is awesome. Look at the people that are in. And, and so you can continue to do this through, now, uh, to work on this. Now, why do we do this? Why, why the commitment card? Again, it's not to spy on people. But the reason why is so that we can have good planning. If you inform us with what you're, willing, you're going to do over the next two years, and, and the, or you inform actually the budget people, not the us. Us is always us, but the budget people, hey, this is what we're going to do. They have more education, more knowledge on better planning. If we find out our commitments only get to $5 million, you better believe we're not going to budget for a $6 million. We're going to budget for five. We're going to adjust. We want to be good managers. But if you guys are, are awesome and we're just like, here's $7 million, then we're going to have to go, okay, what are we going to do? And we're going to rightly budget with the $7 million. And that's the idea. That's why commitment cards are important. They inform us so that we can be wise stewards and not mismanage your funds, not mismanage our 
vision of what God's called us to do. Now, that, that's why that exists. That's why that's there. And, and just some inside information so you guys know what's up. We want to be an open book. We're not hiding anything. We want to make sure that you guys hear everything and the reasons behind things. Finally, then, is one other thing on your calendar, then, is while the history topic will be over. We'll be, in a, we'll be in another series at this time by March 22nd. On March 22nd is what we call the big give. On that day is when we will all decide, hey, we're going to give our first offering to this his story initiative. And so it's this opportunity for us to gather together and it's not so the right hand can know what the left hand is doing. It's not that idea. It's not, you're not going to stand up and go, I am giving one million dollars. <laughs> That's not, we don't want to know. That's not the goal. The goal is that us as part of worship all get to be in this together to give together in one offering to exceed the greatest offering we've ever done. Just to say we're starting off strong. God, we're being faithful. and We want to do this as a team. We want to do this as a church. Church. That's just the goal. It's kind of a symbolic, exciting launch off together in that way. So mark all that stuff down. That's what's going on. But we want to just continue, guys, honestly, to celebrate his stories. The stories he's writing through us, the gospel itself. And that's what we do here on Sundays. And I hope that we're all engaged and ready to go. Please share your story. Please get ready to get excited about what God is doing because, honestly, he is doing a ton and pray we get that video team so I can start having those stories really, really come out. So with that said, you know, I want to I wanna pray with you guys. And I want you guys to watch this, um, this baptism video. These people were baptized this morning. And, uh, and uh, just some great opportunities. And I'll be over at the baptismal to explain that one more time. So let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to just celebrate what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. And we pray that you would indeed just enable us to see what you're doing, to be challenged by the vision, to get excited about where you're heading. And God, where you're leading us, may we be willing to follow. And Lord, I just lift up those right now who may be under attention, like, I'm not so sure. God, just bless them with just a clarity and allow them to ask their questions. On the same time, God, there's some of people in this room who are so pumped up and ready to go. Give us some patience because we're going to need it. And God, allow us to walk together as a church as we learn to love your story and celebrate what you're doing. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.